0: Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now. My name is John J. Lennon, contributor for Esquire magazine and the Marshall Project. I'm locked up for selling drugs and committing murder been in prison 18 years so far, got about 10 more to go. New York State prison system identifies me as the number 04A0823. So I'm a writer and I'm a prisoner. And this is a collect call from Sing Sing. Ted Conover is a journalist and teaches at NYU. He's written six books and has plenty of magazine features in places like the New York Times Magazine, Harper's, The New Yorker, His book, New Jack, Guarding Sing Sing, won the National Book Critics Circle Award in 2000, and it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. In the late 90s, Ted Conover is a journalist researching a story about New York prisons for The New Yorker magazine, and he's denied access to a medium security prison. So, he applies for a job and becomes a corrections officer at Sing Sing for 10 months. Then he quits and writes New Jack. As a prison journalist immersed in New Jack, you can imagine I've really been looking forward to uh, this interview. Writers like Jack Hart and uh, Storycraft have called you like the ultimate practitioner of narrative immersion. Can you explain this like style of storytelling to the listener?
1: So, most journalism is conducted on a short Time frame, right? On a deadline where the journalist only has a certain amount of time to interview people and educate himself, collect quotations, you know, the things you need to produce a news story. And traditionally, journalists weren't supposed to draw much on their own knowledge or enter the story in the first person. They were supposed to get it all from other people. But I always felt that if I'm person had more time not just to interview somebody but to hang out with them and you know breathe the same air and eat the same food and and just sort of be in the same place the writer would learn a whole lot more and it could be really interesting depending on the situation and and sort of cast more light than regular journalism so i actually started thinking like this when i took an anthropology course in college and learned that anthropologists would spend, you know, months and years away from home living with some other group of people and and I thought well maybe somewhere between that and what a journalist does, there's room to try something a bit new. I'm not the first to do immersion, as it's been called, which, uh, but I, and maybe the, the one who's come back to it the most. Yeah. Starting, you know, riding the rails when I was a college student, traveling for a year with undocumented Mexicans, and then, uh, as you know, I'm best known for yeah, having worked class, at, at Sing Sing as a state CEO, and. And that was both the hardest experience I've ever had and in, in some ways the most rewarding. I mean, it certainly got people's attention. It did, yeah. And it's something I come back to. I, I'm not always enjoying it when I'm in the middle of it. I can't say <laughs> working at Sing, Sing was the highlight of my life, but every day I felt I was learning something that people like me wouldn't otherwise know. And by people like me, I just mean middle-class people who got to college and maybe haven't spent time in prison. You see a lot on TV, but it's full of all these stereotypes. It's not really like it is. So every day I thought, well, this kind of sucks. I hope, I'm too bad I have to come back tomorrow. But it's a privilege to be able to do it as I'm doing it, like an experiment. I don't have to be here. And so I never felt that bad for myself. When the book came out, we're talking 20
0: years now. So you're you, know, you teach at NYU. This is 20 years ago. So you were initially planning on doing a piece for the New Yorker about prisons upstate. They sort of denied you access to a medium security prison, and you were like, "Well, this sucks." You know, so you you say, "Why don't I just you know apply for a job as a CEO?" And then you wind up working as a CEO for for 10 months. But you're already like you're like a solid journalist. You're writing for the New Yorker. They had no clue. I mean,
1: it still blows me away that
0: I got the job. It pissed a lot of people off. You know, I was having a conversation at an event the other day, and, you know, I kind of do similar, you know, stuff on the inside as you. And um, in terms of identity, right, you know, you kind of explain how, you know, for for middle-class folks that went to college, but you come in and, you know, you kind of ingratiated yourself and and you kind of undercover, right? It presents this, like, ethical question of, like, did you go too far? Did you betray, like, you know, like the people that you identified with for 10 months, right? The, you know, the CEOs that you sort of said hello to. I mean, I think, and I identify, and I'm going to sort of bring it back to uh, how I identify, but, you know, so you, you, know, you quit the job, and you're like, well, oh, nothing, That shit. and then you write the book, and then do you feel like when you are working here for 10 months, and some of the take of uh, the the officers and uh, was that you know maybe like like you feel like you betrayed them a little bit like as you know because they didn't know you were writing about them right you're undercover. No, you, in a sense.
1: yeah no, you can't do something secretly without being deceptive. They would never have given right. me the job if they knew I hoped to write about it, and as you just explained, I only decided to if I could get hired when they, when the state wouldn't let me visit COs at work. You know, they'd give me a tour, but then they act like it's Guantanamo or something where, when in fact, it's not top secret what happens in our prisons and more people should know about it because maybe then the prisons would get better. It's a choice I made to come in without being upfront with everybody about what I was doing. And I totally get if some people I worked with a put off by that after the fact, but I'll tell you honestly that most of the COs, and I still get an email or a letter from a CO about once a week, most of them seem to appreciate that I did it myself instead of just interviewing, like had some skin in the game, Mm cop to being scared, to not being a great CO actually, because I think in many ways I was not as good at the job as a lot of the people I worked with. But I think they give me credit for wanting to know enough that I would try it myself, and that is one of the downsides. Though, yeah, somebody finds out later that I was not exactly who they thought. I feel badly about that. As you know, I changed the name of anybody I didn't portray in a good light. If a CEO's yelling at somebody or he's being an asshole, I I would change his name so that he didn't suffer. They're not knowing what I was up to.
0: It's interesting because I I draw a lot of parallels. I read, I read Immersion, your book. I actually read New Jack back in the day. It slipped through years ago. But it's an issue of identity, isn't it? Like, too, like you almost have to sort of embrace a new identity, right, to come in here. I mean, you're still Ted, you're still Ted Conner. You can come in under an alias, you know. You're like, I think even put freelancer on your
1: application, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't lie. I didn't lie, but like you say, it is about identity, and I think it's partly, for me, exploring a different side of my myself. Can I be somebody, am I capable of doing that job? If the job involves saying no to, to prisoners all day long, if it involves trying to convince somebody a lot bigger and more powerful than me that they should... Uh, uh, follow my request to step into their cell. So. How did you, how did you deal with that though? How did you like, were you like,
0: how did you like, if I'm, if I'm like, you know, because you're the new Jack, right? You were the, new, I mean, I know you explained it in the book though, Um obviously, but it's just like, how do you, it's, 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 you know, when we think of the Stanford project, right, and we think, did you feel yourself like sort of at times becoming, um like, uh, like a dick a CEO. Like, you know, I've been like, you know what, fuck you guys. I'm tired of this shit. Well, I mean,
1: well, my, my wife, my wife likes to say that the job brought out my interdisciplinarian because, yeah. you know, I'm not used, I'm not used to telling people what to do all day. It's not really how I normally am, but if required, I discovered I could do that. Um, I didn't always do it well. Um, but, I did it enough that I could see how that job takes a certain toll on people who do it for years, right? Like it really it can really bring out the negative in a person and it brings out this reflex to say no, which is just harmful to carry inside you. Who wants to be that person? It's just telling people no all day long. It's not good for you, but that's what the job involves. And I had to be... I had to accept that, do the job, and so, yeah. Was I? Yeah. Huh. I don't think that's who I really am, but that's definitely who part of me is, right? And by the same token, I remember days at at work thinking, well, if I were locked up here, how would I get out? Because you can't help but relate to prisoners or I couldn't anyway, I, I, I'm sure CEOs would disagree with me about this, but I found myself thinking if, if I were uh, in the other colored uniform, could I, could I get out of here? And that's a sort of empathy then for, you know, the people I'm not supposed to have empathy with, but that to me, just having empathy is a good thing. And, and if you can muster it for the other side yeah. of any situation, maybe, uh, maybe that would tilt the universe in the right direction. So that's good. It's about point I of view, it. right? It's yeah. about POV.
0: It's about, you know, for Definitely. me, it's interesting. We have interesting sort of dichotomies with ours You know, there's an interesting dichotomy. Like I, I kind of, um, you know, do a similar style of writing, um, from the inside, but, but I'm, but I'm in green, right? And I try to have empathy for the other side. I remember writing a piece called, you know, spying on Attica. And, you know, Attica, you, you got to experience this sort of, you know, to be you know, being a CO in Sing Sing. And Sing Sing, as you know, is like the the, the officers, it's a diverse um, sort of, uh, the security staff is diverse. So the officers, actually the minorities are white, so it was mostly black and Hispanic um, officers. Was yeah. it the same when you were working here? Yes,
1: yeah, so the knee jacks were almost all white, like like the state core is, right? Um, right. I don't know if it's still, do they still send new jacks down there?
0: Yeah, and you're right. They are, you, like the white faces will soon get sort of like shipped back to like where the parts of New they <laughs> where they're from. So like, so so I came from, they'll all wind up in Attica or Auburn. So I came from Attica and I, I, I served nine years in Attica and and you know this sort of intense environment. It's an all-white security staff, and then an all-sort of black and, and brown popu- prison population. So, it's yep. intense, Attica. It's just like there's no. It's just like shut up, no talking, eyes forward. That's it. You know, I've, I've written extensively about this. And yep. when I came yep. down here, when I came down here to Sing Sing, guys were just like, they just. guys are just loose, disrespecting the officers and it was and I had to write about that because I wrote about you know the sort of beatings that were going on you know at Attica and you know the sort of false assault on staff claims basically that was like the, you know like that that was was, a lot of oh absolutely
1: yeah a lot of imaginary infractions Along those lines, right?
0: right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you wind up, you, you wind up sort of. You know, in Attica, it was very prevalent, but down here, I don't. You know, I think there's a level of empathy when a when a person, you know, an officer of color, um, she's not only sees, you know, uh, sort of his own kind, so to speak, like in, 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 yeah. in, in, in green, but also um, because they also treat me fairly too. Like they're 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 very it's, it's like they're not they're not sweating the small stuff. But for them not sweating the small stuff, it's like at times I see my peers sort of stepping over the line. Like like you know you, you kind of probably hear that in the account. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile. These bastards say yeah. no, like oh, you know, sure. that kind of thing, right?
1: Yeah. So you're, it's, so it's more common to take an inch uh, at Sing Sing than Attica.
0: Yeah, that that's been my takeaway. If I'm being fair, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm like because sure. you're saying like. Yeah, if I'm if if I'm being fair as a, as a journalist, and in terms of identity, in terms of identity, it's more complicated for me too, right? And I know it was very complicated for you when you came in here with identity, probably because you know you're, you're elk is writers, and and then you're coming in here and then you're conversing. Maybe these, you know, that's not. That's not, you know, that these are not people that perhaps would be, you know, your friends, or these aren't your elk. Let's just say that, right? And but me, I came from, you know, I was a writer, I was a criminal, and this this is this is my elk. But now I'm, I, I became a writer, yeah. and it's a yeah. different kind of identity, you know.
1: Yeah, it oh, totally is, and and yet what you say is true. We have in common that we're both writing about experience, and right. and your. Our experiences are hugely different and the things we write are hugely different. And I just gotta say for you to show empathy towards security staff might, if I were in your shoes, I don't know if I'd be able to muster that. That's, that's, that's taking it to another level if, if, if that's something you could do. Cause you're, yeah, you can't really, you can't, Compare our situations, given that I could leave and you are there,
0: I mean, you left yeah. after i mean you, you wouldn't have looked forward to like coming like coming to work and sort of like publishing that book and then coming back to work and then uh, like, hey, guys, you know, Did you check the book out like <laughs> like how how would, how would that go down like
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would go so well, um as you know from the book, I gave a My first reading was at the Austin Public Library and the first two rows were full of guys in my uniform. Really? I was scared to death. Take take me to that moment. (laughs) Take me, take me to, take the, take the the listener to that moment, please. So people had heard my book was coming out because a P, a part of it ran in the New Yorker. So my secret was out before the book was available. And then when it was announced, I'd do a reading at the Austin Public Library. I didn't know who was going to be there. The librarian heard from a librarian at Sing Sing that there were some officers who were angry, who wanted to stir up trouble, so she'd gotten uh, local police to attend. And that kind of scared me when when I heard that. Um, And then I wasn't sure how to take all these guys in uniform in the front two rows, and I thought, well, this could either be okay or it could be really bad and um and I knew a handful of them and and I read from the first chapter of New Jack which describes arriving at work around dawn and you know changing into my uniform in this old locker room down by the railroad tracks and then walking up the steps through the front gates opening my lunch bag you know so the officer can see if I've got contraband in there, not that it wouldn't be easy to hide it somewhere else. And um, and then walking up, you know, through many gates up to B Block, and my first duty is to take all the cells off uh, deadlock, deadbolt, so that I can drop for breakfast when that's ready. And I just, when I started talking about how quiet it was, but how Crazy! It would soon be as soon as I opened all those doors at the same time, and like dreading, you know, that part of the day. And all the officers start nodding, like that they could they could connect to because they've all been there. And and then I thought, ah, oh, it's gonna be okay. But <laughs> it, <laughs> there's one more if you've got time for this. i signed my books yeah. after, and there's a a book was put in front of me. I couldn't see who put it there. And I said, can I sign this to you? And the boy says, yeah. And I said, well, so who do I sign it to? And he says, sign it to Pearlstein. And I thought, Pearlstein, how do you spell that? And he says, you should know. And I thought, what? And I looked up and it's this guy who I'd given a pseudonym to because I had described him as a shaved headed brute who, uh, sort of sadistically tortured the new Jacks by rubbing his baton down our shins and had to be helped into his shirt by his buddy. Cause he's got too many muscles to get his arm in the armhole. And, um, anyway, I, I'm looking up at him and thinking, Oh, I'm about to die. Cause he's just, he is a shaved headed brute, but at the end of his arm, there's like a, an infant, a little girl, a toddler, I guess is the word. And, um, uh, and then I thought, oh my that's God, sweet. he's he's a monster, but he's also a dad and yeah. And I was happy and relieved yeah
0: that's a great detail, you know because it shows the humanity in us all, right you know I think that's so important as a writer to have that um i mean you know i mean I, yeah, I mean, look you know it's you know people are people that's what we try to do here with this show, so I mean, thank you for sharing right. that.
1: Well, no, you want to get past the stereotypes, and you know better than anybody that writing and movies about prison are just packed with stereotypes, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's good to figure out how to get past those when you can.
0: You know, in a recent sort of scenario, um, not, as, uh, not as much fanfare, but I, I recently published a piece in Sports Illustrated. You know that some say expose the culture of you know like football betting and sing I'd argue that it was uh-huh. more about us, guys, us. I'd argue that it was more about us guys in here connecting with you guys out there on any given Sunday in football season. But it's hard to talk, you know, sort of literary theme and intention without sounding sort of condescending to people that read it. And you know, it's, because you know, I did send um the editor like pictures of you know ticket stubs. Like, you know, how they have the uh you know pick fours in here on uh uh-huh. you know, football uh-huh. season. Yeah.
1: I saw that on your webpage. I I did not get a chance to read it. I got distracted by your review of Dwayne Betts uh poetry book.
0: Oh Dwayne Betts, yeah that's that's, that's my uh that's my buddy there. He's uh he's he's something else right yeah he's he's, 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 he's he, uh, he he just really won that NAAC yeah he's the best he's actually helping me with um uh with you know uh i made some mu- some pieces I don't take the money for if I'm talking like too much about the murder i i i'm putting i put that in my like, escrow account he's like a lawyer too, so he's trying to help me with the with the victims and yeah. just like I, we we could do a whole other podcast on that but uh um but so this so this sports illustrated piece comes out. And there's, like, there's, like, fucking tickets on the, uh, it's a spread, it's, it's, and, you know, and it's, like, so, everyone hates me now, like, and I'm, you know, I ain't going nowhere, I gotta get up there, <laughs> and the shit's in the oh, library, they're mad.
1: They're, oh, they're mad, because you revealed the, the great secret, is that it?
0: Yeah, 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 that's how I looked at it. But they were they were just like so my own, so my side was like so my side being I don't want to say my side because you know, I mean but I I'm just saying like, you know, the guys in green were like John, like I mean most guys in green like they know they know you know, they know I'm a I'm a writer, I'm a journalist, so so and they respect it. You know, they're like, you know, this dude's doing his thing, right? But like right. they were saying, they were like, "Look, you went a little too far with that one, pal." And I'm like, "No, the theme is escape," <laughs> and like they were like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like you fucking put the ticket. <laughs> like, you, you you got too carried away with that. I was like, oh. "Oh god!" I was like, "All right, guys, I'm sorry." You know, I was like, "But it's Sports Illustrated, you know, it's the Holy Grail." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." But but so um, but then the officers. <laughs> are like uh the officers kinda of like that. Most of them also, really didn't care. I mean I mean, you know, some of them I took it as a slight, but then like superintendents superintendent didn't like it either. Like, you know, I was at a recent like event they had like a TEDx talk here and um you know, it's sort of, you know, working with the guys and they all did like a great job and it was just part of the, uh, the planning there and the narrative developer and working with a lot of my peers and we had a great time. It was, it was just a good experience. And he, you know, he, he kind of, he kind of just totally rebuffed me, uh, the superintendent huh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's huh. a, it is what it is, but, but, uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he, he, he kind of just, you know, lets me know. He said, he thinks I'm out for myself or whatever, but look, like, I, I can't, um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've never had more than a five minute conversation with the guy, so I'm not really, um, you know, I don't take it that personal. But I I, I actually yeah. can see where he's coming from, though. Too though, I mean, that's the part of uh-huh. point of view. Like, I could definitely like kind of just see his uh, position. But so you were talking about the eye before with immersive, where the eye is often present. You know, with traditional journalism. I mean, to be fair, Gonzo journalism. We think Hunter S. Thompson. The issue of identity. Is worth talking about, like with the eye, like. But he he introduces this the style of you know Tom Wolfe and and these guys that you know big Norman Mailer these sort of heavy ego guys. When you when you which I can kind of identify with, but when you um, when you use your eye is it's it's what well, what do you what do you use your eye for in terms of when we think of like the history of you know, even Joe and Didion can't forget, you know, the gals. But I'm just saying, like, what do you, what do you, what do you think?
1: It's not gonzo. I'm not going to open in the middle of my drug trip and I'm not going to sort of, uh you know, amp everything up. And, um you know, Hunter Thompson was a shrewd political writer, but he also enjoyed writing about him. And his uh, his exploits um, with drugs and guns and everything else and gangs and um, I never I almost never put myself in the foreground. I'm sort of I think of myself as I'm there as a witness. I'm there as a way for the reader to, to get interested in this story and feel comfortable. Um, I'm sort of more like a guide then like the main event. And I, um, so I, it's, it's usually not about me. It's about the the people I'm getting to know in this, this strange world I've entered. And, um, so i I hope that makes some sense that I, I do, I, I prefer to write in the first person, but that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you what I had for lunch and, um, and who I saw, you know, the, the friends I talked with on the phone, I, I kind of want to keep it to the matter at hand, which is, in the case of New Jack, you know, trying to survive as a, a rookie CEO.
0: I'm working on this book project. Have you heard of Emmanuel Carrere, uh, The Adversary? It's like the French in cold blood.
1: The French. title of the book is The Adversary? Yeah. No, I don't. Don't know it
0: yeah so he's like he t- he took on this like the eye and he he's like the big french writer uh he uses first person journalism a lot um and you know he took on the story about you know the killing of uh, this he wrote like a, a tr- an in cold blood sort of version in uh in, in french and he but he used the eye he wanted to occupy his own position as a journalist um because it was sort of a, he thought what Truman and Capote did by erasing himself from the book and not sort of including his feelings after sort of having such a relationship with, with both killers, but especially with, with one, um, he thought that that was like sort of hideous, like, and, you know, just awful. And he just erased huh. himself from Yeah yeah it was an interesting take he had on it, and he wrote a book adversary about this 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 guy who killed his family in france and he sort of occupied his own position of how he felt not in a non judgmental way. It's kind of a hard thing to do when you know it's such an awful sort of sort of murder um I'm working on this i'm- you know, i like this style I'm working on a similar book proposal now a deep dive into a man who's committed a horrible crime and found purpose with his life in here through education. He's studying for his master's degree here. I talk to him in the cell block on the weekends, and he reflects on his early years, his crime, his remorse, his mental illness, his decades in prison and trauma that comes with all that, right? Yeah. But a lot of that will be expository, in you know, moments of talking, and me drifting off and reconstructing a narrative like, but reconstructing scenes, as you say, in immersion is risky business because the writer is tempted to take liberties, right? Like, so if I'm just talking to him about like his past and 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 his—he's you know, been in jail thirty-something years—and you know, I could sort of then in, in the create the scene of of him across from me, but I have to sort of create these reconstruct these scenes of what he's telling me about his past, right? But the reconstruction can be a little risky right because you you could take liberty could you unpack that for a moment
1: yeah and if you if your background isn't journalism it can be uh very tempting to take liberties to juice up the story because reality doesn't always the pieces don't always fit neatly into a in, into a story mm-hmm. yeah so um but you know uh when you work for some of the magazines that I know you do, you get used to the idea of people following up with your article, right? Uh, fact checkers trying to make sure that you've spelled everybody's name right and gotten everybody's, uh, age correct. And it's like you enter this culture where, where accuracy matters and, it's true. If you're writing about your own past, there's parts that won't be easy to fact check. But I don't know. The journalism, the journalist in me, um, have to play it by the book and 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 avoid embellishment and yeah. believe that the reality is interesting enough all by itself. So I don't know. I think there's I'll, some. I'll- Pride to be taken in there.
0: Another part of me is like the crescendo of his story is he's getting a master's degree here. Like, that's Uh like, you know, and he's like, so. but I'm not in the class with him. I'm not hearing the questions he's asking. I mean, this is the real good writing, right? It's it's, you know, creating, capturing the scene and all that shit, right? So I can't be in there because they won't give me, you know, I'm I'm just not in the class. I'm not in, so, but a friend of mine is, so uh so I've sort of like delegated uh I asked my friend if he you know, he kinda wants to learn what I do. I'm like, Well, I got a job for you, you know, go do this and capture the scene every day when you're in court. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. tell me the questions he asks. Is that okay? Is that cool? Like me using my you know, my peers for for reporting and you know, and you know, I said, you know, I'm depending on the events, you know, I'll give you some money too. You know, I mean
1: so wait, that's, so you're using him as your eyes and ears in some ways, is that it? In the C-
0: and when like I can't be in class with him, right? But that's the real money. Right. Like that I want to hear what he's asking. My subject I'm talking about. But another friend who's who's trying to uh you know, he's trying to get published and I'm like, Well yeah, I, I got a job for you, you know. Tell me uh tell me how you know tell me, you know, Describe the scene for me when when you're in class. This, I don't want to say the guy's name with this other guy. And how ha- does he act? How has, you know? But I I told him. But but my friend he 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 felt he only felt comfortable asking the guy, "Can I write about you know observing you?" And I guess my question to you is, did he need to even ask
1: that for permission to observe and write about him?
0: Yeah, like no, not even not really, right?
1: I mean, what's what, 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 no, you don't. What's, No, it all kind of depends on the relationship you have with somebody and, if you know, is it going to be a problem when they learn you were writing about them secretly? And if it is, you better think about that. Um, But if, you know, if if you were engaging with them on the level of a journalist where your whole reason for doing it is because you're working on something, then, you know, that's just what it is, so. Yeah, uh,
0: and for the record, he did so, agree to it, like, my, my buddy, my buddy was, because I first had a conversation with him, I was like, you don't even need to, just, 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 just capture the scene, let me get senses, smells, I mean, if, if the teacher asks a potent question and he responds, you'll know it's a profound thing to quote, you know what I mean, and, but he was like, I want to get his permission. I was like, he he knows I'm writing about him anyway, um, so, you know, he, he went ahead and got his permission, but I kind of didn't even want him to get his permission, because then now he knows that my buddy's writing about him in class, you know, and so, like, I, I didn't right. want him to, let, you know what I mean? It was that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: No, it's tricky stuff. It is tricky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very tricky. Holy shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, and, and um, Rapid, I love the, I love the analogy at the end of your book, Immersion, you're like, uh, uh, with the rubber band, you said after an, an immersive project, you feel it's like releasing the tension in the rubber band. Um, so where's the rubber band now, uh, Ted? Like, what, what do you yeah. what you're
1: working Well, yeah, the other part of that rubber band analogy is, you know, when you stretch a rubber band, it doesn't snap back to quite its original shape. And that also describes how I'm not the same after I've been doing something like working at Sing Sing for, for a long time. It it changes me. And, um, mostly I'm okay with that, but I also sometimes worry about it. You need a pretty strong sense of who you are, of your core identity to get back to your interest in that idea and who you are. And, um, you know, I have depended a lot, too, on a couple of close friends and on my wife to uh, help me when I get stuck in places and read my stuff. And uh I don't know if you have that, and to go it alone is a harder thing, and, and my my hat's off to you. I just think to write anything of value from a prison is a great achievement.
0: I mean, a part of me feels like the tension is constant with me, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the rubber band will be released when I'm when I'm out, and I'll have that you know sort of reflective <laughs> kind of mode uh, to. I'm sure. I'll yeah.
1: Be- no that's a fascinating uh prospect
0: this was really really a pleasure and an honor and uh yeah this was a blast uh i hope hope the uh <laughs> listeners had as much fun as I did here in this
1: uh dank dark basement so uh <laughs> Conover, and thank I know you you're for- not no, just gonna say <laughs> i know you're not exaggerating about that basement too.
0: I am not. I am not. Um, so thank, thank God. Thank you for coming on. This
1: is a collect call from Sing Sing. I, I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, John. Thank you. This is a collect call from Sing Sing. It's produced by Jeff DeRay, Kirsten
0: Woodward, and Steve Delamater. With help from Elena Garcia, Jack Greenbaum, and Devin Sherman. Special thanks to Norm Pattis, Peter Morris, Elizabeth Bayquet and Rachel Yanover. Follow John on Twitter at JohnJLennon1 and check out his work at JohnJLennon.org. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.